God, thank you. Thank you for what we just stated out loud, for the many, many blessings that we, I know I take for granted, that are really straight from you, that flow from you to us, and we don't deserve them, but you are God who blesses us, and even in the valley meets us and fills us with your presence. So Lord Jesus, thank you. We are grateful. Lord, I pray you'd teach us today and you'd speak. And more than that, you'd change us, change legacies, change us with your word. Spirit of God, speak today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, I can uh, remember as a kid singing that song in church. Actually, I didn't sing it. I just sat there and listened to my mom sing it many times with tears in her eyes. And I remember, I'd be thinking, especially as a 13, 14-year-old, like, what are you emotional about? Our life is terrible. Dad left. You for another woman. My brother died. You know, and here we are, single mom in the 60s when there were no single moms. I mean, there were some, but not like there are. I, I knew nobody in my school that didn't have a dad at home. And it was just like, I couldn't imagine that she could thank God for the blessings in her life. And yet, she still felt blessed by God, even in that valley. And I now know that blessing. Whether it's good times in your life or tough times in your life. Whether there's a lot of light or a lot of darkness... Every single breath you take is a blessing from God. The fact that you're sitting here today alive, and you're probably like me, you don't think about that, but the heartbeat that's going on right now that you're not thinking about, God has got that, because some people didn't wake up today or didn't make it through yesterday, and you did, and I did, and we're blessed. Even where we live, not just Oakland County, but in the United States of America, of all places, we are some of the most blessed people ever. You ever see those bumper signs that say, uh, God bless America? I see them and go, he did. (laughs) He has. (laughs) The question isn't, will he bless America? It's like, what are we going to do with that? So we get to start a series today I am so excited about called The Blessed Life, which is from a book I'll, I'll explain to you uh, later, but it's about experiencing the presence of God, of his blessings in our life. Whether it's going well or it's a struggle for you right now, there is a blessed life called, sort of called The Blessed Zone. And I, and I'll just say this before I get into that. The last 10 days, 13 days of my life have been, uh, I've been in, in a blessed life. Uh, and a lot of people would say, wow, what you've experienced the last couple of weeks have been pretty blessed. Uh, we, uh, two weeks ago, were on a, a, a cruise ship in the Caribbean with Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. And some of you know, we weren't just on a vacation. We were speaking for the Love Like You Mean It marriage cruise, which is their 10th anniversary, which means there were six, almost 6,000 people on this boat, 2,700 couples were on this boat. I call it the love boat because there are everybody around there and there's speakers and music and comedians and it was just, it's an unbelievable, in fact, here's a picture. The final night of our cruise, a week ago Saturday, Ann and I were on this plank at the top where we led these couples in a renewal of their vows. That's just one side of the boat. I took another picture of the other side, so that whole deck five was full of 2,600 couples renewing their vows. It's a Guinness World Book record. Most couples renewing their vows at one time. We set it on that boat. Now, it didn't count because nobody from Guinness was there. You have to invite them to that. Yeah, but that's pretty cool, isn't it? It was an amazing 
amazing week. So you talk about a blessed life for just to be there. I mean, again, we didn't get to go out much because we couldn't leave our cabin because we couldn't go anywhere without people sort of uh, running into us. But so, and that was with Family Life, who we do their Family Life radio or podcast. You should listen to that. It's called Family Life Today. It's great marriage and parenting help every day of the week. Anyway, so then we, we fly from there, Fort Lauderdale, to San Diego, and we just got back Thursday this week where we spoke to NFL players at a Christian conference where there were about 300, 350 NFL players and wives and girlfriends and single guys in San Diego at a conference where they had, again, music and speakers. And Ann and I went and did um, um, marriage teaching out there. It was phenomenal. And not every person that comes to that is a follower of Christ, but their teammates get them to come to this conference. And so on Wednesday night, we offer the guys and their wives to get baptized if they'd like to get baptized. Look at this picture. This is a picture of baptisms in the hotel pool Wednesday night, over 40 players got baptized Wednesday night in that pool. And it's really cool. In fact, one of these guys who's a very famous player in the NFL just texted me uh, yesterday and said, can I live stream your church? So he's probably watching right now. And I mean, the influence he can have on the world is crazy. And it's just neat to see God working. So here's, here's what we're doing. We're starting a series, which is about the blessed life. And I got to tell you, it's from a book. And a, and a pastor in D- Dallas named Robert Morris. I don't know if you know Robert Morris. Uh, it's Gateway Church in Dallas. Uh, if you remember Michael Jr., the comedian who was here, and we did a Funny How Marriage Works date night with Michael. He's Michael's pastor. They're friends. And Michael had been telling me about Robert Morris and his teaching on this thing called The Blessed Life. He has a book out. Here's a picture of it. I'm telling you, get it. Just trust me on this. Get this book. Read it. Get this book, read it. This series, the next six weeks, is a lip sync. I'm going to just be honest with you right now. A lip sync of that book. These are his thoughts that I believe God gave him to write on this topic of the blessed life, unlocking the, the rewards of a generous living. And he's not just talking about money and being generous, but he's talking about living with your life generously, living with your gifts and your talents generously, serving others in a generous life. He would say, as you live generously in all those different areas, you experience the blessed life. And again, it doesn't mean your life's perfect. It doesn't mean you don't get sick. It doesn't mean you have prosperity. It has nothing to do with that. It just means you experience the presence of God because God is a generous God. And when you and I copy that generosity, there's an experience in our life where we experience his power. We experience his joy. We experience his blessing in a way. And again, often this gets misunderstood. Blessing of God means you're going to be rich or you're going to be, you know, you're never going to. No, that's not what it means at all. It means you experience the blessing of God. I love one of the quotes that um, Robert has in the book. Where is it? He says this, the days of the blessed person are filled with divine coincidences and heavenly meaning. Now listen to this quote. He says, a blessed man may or may not be wealthy by the world standards, but he enjoys a quality of life that most billionaires would envy. Think about that. That's what the blessed life lives. It may have something to do with money, but it isn't just about money. But I got to be honest with you. In this series, we will be talking about money. Not only money, but it will be about generosity with our money too. Now, here's the thing. Whenever you talk about money at church, people get funny. They get funny about money. You know why? Because it's connected to our heart. It really is. And so I just want to say something about this whole thing. You need to relax. Just because when you talk about money at church, people clench. You know what I'm saying? They clench. The sphincter gets tight. All right? (laughs) Some of you just, as soon as you heard me say money, you're like, there it was. You're just tightening right up. Can I just say this? You hear that music? Relax. Relax the sphincter. 
don't release the sphincter. Relax <laughs> the sphincter. Because <laughs> here's what you need to know. Take a deep breath. I'll say this, and I want you to say it after me, okay? This is not a campaign. This is not a campaign. We've done campaigns here three years. You make a commitment. I've made commitments. We, you know, give above and beyond our normal giving. This is not a campaign. Say it with me. This is not a campaign. There will be no campaign card that you fill out. There'll be no campaign card. All right? There'll be no walk to the stage on week six. There'll be no walk. Come on, say it with me. There'll be no walk. There'll be no arm twisting about your money. No arm twisting. Right? There'll be no offering. Just kidding. There's going to be an offering. <laughs> but I mean, I wanted them to play the small music. I wanted you to just, just relax, okay? God's got, here, I am so excited about this series. I am not kidding. As I read this book and I listened to Robert preach, and then uh, my buddy Brian Tome, who, who uh, uh, leads Crossroads Church down in Cincinnati, they just did this series back in the fall. And he told me on the phone a couple of weeks ago, he goes, dude, I can't explain it. This, this, this content is anointed by God. People need to understand what God has in, in their lives in this area of our lives. And again, it's about being generous in our living. Here's what it's really about, freedom. Because we're all locked up in the area of generosity. And again, not just money, but even with our gifts or serving or stepping out. And I'll tell you what, when you start listening to God and obeying him with your money, with your lives, with your gifts, and you start serving, I'm telling you, that's the blessed zone. It's like you get in a zone where it's scary, it's like you're going to give more money than you did, or you're going to serve somebody, or you're going to serve your neighbor, or you're going to share the gospel with somebody. It's like, that's scary. And when you hear God prompt you, and he says, you're the one I want to use, and then you step out there. You ever been there? Most Christians have never been there, and they don't even know what we're talking about. But the ones that have been there, it's like, I can't explain this, but God met me. Yeah, that's the presence of God. That's the blessed zone. That's the, the blessed life, right? And so as you think about this, there's a... There's a uh, a verse in the Bible that I bet many of you have heard at least the last part, it's pretty interesting what Luke, writing in the book of Acts, quotes Jesus. We don't know where this quote came from because it's not in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but Luke, who wrote, obviously, the book of Luke and the book of Acts, which is the beginning of the church, it's sort of the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. He says this statement way toward the back of this book in chapter 20. He says this, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak... So there's, you're helping others. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, look at this, it is more blessed to give than receive. How many have heard that before? Yeah, we've heard that. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. What's he mean? Now, here's a question. Do you, do, you, do you agree? Is it more blessed to give away rather than receive? I don't know about you, but I know about me. I like receiving. <laughs> When people give me things, I sort of like that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It feels great. It's like, especially when it's a surprise. A few, few years ago, uh, 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 one of the wives of a good friend of ours, uh, their family and ours are real close, been vacationing with them for almost 30 years with the Andrews family. Anyway, she calls me up, or I can't remember if she called or texted me. She said, hey, we've just become friends with uh, the owner of Sir Guitars, S-U-H-R, in Los Angeles. Okay? She goes, I want you to go on their website, pick out a guitar, we're buying it for you. We can get a really good discount. Just go get, get a Sir guitar. I'm like, no, I don't have to. No, we want to do that. Please do that. I'm like, I've never heard of Sir guitars. I go on their website. Their guitars start at $6,000. They're really high-end guitars. They're beautiful. They're unbelievable. All these great bands and musicians play these guitars. It's a family-owned business in LA. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you've got to be good. I like receiving. 
And so I just got to go on this website. She said, customize it any way you want. I did not customize it because I felt like I don't want to milk this thing too much. I was playing bass at the time, most of the time. Still am here at Kensington. So I picked out a Sir Bass. Here's a picture of it. I should be smiling my head off because that was like the day I got it. And that's my Sir Bass. That thing is awesome. I'll be playing it uh, in two weeks at, at our midweek. And I just love getting this thing. I'm like, who gets that? Nobody's ever bought me a guitar before. That was just like the greatest thing. I love receiving. Anybody with me? I'm not so sure it's is, is, is good to give others as it is to receive. That's what I thought when I heard Jesus say that. You can take that down. No, I want you to look at that all day. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you've ever given money, time, possessions to somebody that you love or somebody that's in need, Jesus is right. It really does feel good to bless others. You know, as you know, we have five grandkids, and one of them lives locally. Cody's little, Cody and Jenna's little boy, Bryce, lives right over here and five miles from our house. So that's the only one that's local. And I'll tell you what, I am married to a woman who loves to give. There is never a day she doesn't see somebody want to bless them financially or possessions. And she is unbelievable as a grandma. You wish she was your grandma. Because there's not a day she's on Amazon buying another something for one of our grandkids. I'm like, stop, stop, you know. But, but last year when Bryce, and Bryce is uh, just over one now and he's walking, it's just so wonderful to watch this little guy. Anne started to do, do for Cody and Jenna in their basement what happened in her basement when she grew up. Her dad and mom put all kinds of athletic things in the basement, hanging ropes. She became a gymnast, bars, uh, a, a ball on a swing so you could hit a, a baseball. I mean, I'm not even getting close. They had a trampoline in Ann's basement growing up, a large one. There was not a high ceiling, so you couldn't jump, but that's what it was. They had one. So Ann says, we got to get Bryce a mini tramp. And we did. And here's a picture of my little guy. My grandson on that mini tramp with the ball back there. You know, he can stand up now. And I tell you what, it was better to give that than to receive one. It was awesome. And every time I go over there, there he is. We roll around on that thing. And he can jump, obviously, uh, because he's a little guy and it's just a mini tramp. But it was awesome. And I tell you what, the first service, Ann was sitting right there. And I never thought of this till this moment. And I probably shouldn't share this. But I thought, I wonder why Ann's into trampolines. Well, we found out a few years back because we were interviewing her dad about their marriage. It's a beautiful interview that we have on video. Someday we're gonna have to show you. And at one point, he says, oh yeah, by the way, you know, Ann, you were sort of a mistake. We weren't planning on having any more kids, uh, but you were conceived on the trampoline in the basement. And we're like, what? <laughs> like, what? We don't even wanna know that. It's like, blah, 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 blah. But it's true. So I think Ann has a thing for trampolines. And I don't know about you, but you're looking at a trampoline on stage here, so I don't know what God's saying. But anyway, here's the deal. Here's the deal. As you think about, is it really more blessed to give than receive? I'm going to challenge you over the next six weeks to find out. This is going to be an amazing journey. I'm not kidding. I am so excited to go on this journey with us because I think God's going to change you and me and change our church. Because when you start living in the blessed zone, and again, it's not just about money, but yes, it is a little bit about money, and start giving your life away, you discover a life you never thought of. Now, here's a passage in the New Testament a lot of people have heard teach about money. If you've been around church even a year or two or five years, you've probably heard this. I know I heard this in church, and I'm telling you, this passage has been mistaught so many times. Because look at it. It's in Luke. Again, Luke writes this in chapter 6. He's quoting Jesus, by the way. And Jesus said this, judge not, and you will not be judged. 
Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. You ever heard that one before? Give, and then it goes on to say, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now, how many of you heard that verse talked about money? If you give, God will give back to you. Anybody? Yeah, that has been often taught about money. Let me ask you something. I know it just came up there really quick, and maybe some of you have never seen it before. Was there any mention of money in that verse? No. He's not talking about money. He says this. There's a, there's a way the world works. If you judge others, you'll be judged. If you condemn others, you'll feel condemnation. Is that true? Parents, please teach your kids this. This is how life works. What you give out, you get back. He even says if you forgive others... Often you get forgiven. He's just giving you a principle of life. If you're generous and give, you'll be given back to. Not just money. It can include money, but it isn't just about money. It's a way to live. And actually, this very passage is about our heart. What's going on in our heart? And if you want one big idea for week one of this six-week series, here it is. Giving is about the heart. Giving is about our heart. Whether it's financial or serving or volunteering, even here or anywhere else, it's about our heart. Because our hearts, the DNA of our hearts, is not toward giving, it's usually toward receiving, right? And so we have to understand that that's how it works. And so here's a really interesting passage. And some of you know this, but Jesus talked about this quite a bit when he talked about money. And he wanted to make us understand something because I think our wallet or our bank account is tied to our heart. And he says this in Matthew chapter six. Try and understand what Jesus is saying. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So he's basically in this passage, he's gonna say there's two ways to live. You can store up stuff here and it's gonna rust. And you know this, right? Everything you have, everything I have, that I love so much is headed to the dumpster. Either next year or 20 years from now, 30 years from now, it's all gonna rust. Don't you hate that? Law of thermodynamics happens. It's like your, your car rusts, everything, you gotta keep it. It's like, he goes, you can store up that stuff or look what he says. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says this, this is a powerful truth. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, what matters to you, it's got your heart. And we have always said this, and you know this, and this is a principle of life anywhere you, you look. If you want to know what matters to a person, where do you look? Calendar, bank account. That's it. You can say anything you want about what matters to you. All I got to do is, is there any time there? My marriage is the most important thing in my life. I've heard men say that all the time. And I don't even look at the guy. I look at his wife. And if she's like, it's like, yep, that's just some dude talking. But if she's like, yeah, it's like, oh, that's how he lives. I don't even look at the guy. Because it will say, it will show on his calendar. There's date nights, there's time at home. There's a, but if he, you, know, you say this matters, God is the most important thing in my life. Okay, is it on your calendar? Is there any money being given? A lot of people talk. Our treasure is where our heart is. And so this whole first day is about, okay, let's talk about the heart. In fact, we call it today, it's all about the heart. And so here's the thing. When God says your treasure is where your heart is, he's sort of putting a stethoscope on our heart. 
And I think he actually may be putting a stethoscope on our wallet. Like, let's do an analysis and see where this goes. You know, it's really interesting, and I'll invite you to do this. At the end of the series, we're going to start an FPU, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. If you've never taken that course, it may be one of the best things you ever do. Because what Dave does in that, that course is says, okay, let's talk honestly about where our money's going. And he gives you a plan which literally can change your life. Jesus is doing the same thing. He says, you can store up stuff here, which is going to go away, or you can store up stuff that's for eternity. And I'm telling you, your bank account and your, uh, your calendar will reveal what's going on. So here's what we want to do. We got to talk about our heart. So let's talk about four heart conditions that we need to address. Okay, you ready? Four heart conditions. You write these down or just take pictures of them. The first one is what we call the greedy heart. Greedy heart. Anybody here have a greedy heart? Nah, probably not. You know anybody that has one? Oh, yeah, you do. You know, everybody else does, but not me. We see it in others, but not so much in ourselves. Here's the deal. Every person is born with a DNA of greed. I don't mean greed. Taking care of me. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? What's one of the first words your kids learned when they were little babies and they started to talk? One of the first words was what? Mine. Yeah, everybody said it. Mine. If your baby didn't say that, it's coming. But anyway... That is the human heart. It's like, like this, hands in, like, what about me? What about me? And they want milk, they want food, they want everything. mine, 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 right? It's in the human heart. And so we start there, it's like, oh, that's in a baby, and do, do we outgrow it? Cody was sitting here, you know, uh, he preached here last week. He was sitting there at first service. He doesn't even remember the story, but when, you know, Bryce is just over a year. When Cody was like two and a half, maybe three years old, he was much like Bryce. We had all the toys in the basement. We had a slab basement just like he does, not finished, just playroom, right? And we had, many, we had a trampoline down there. We had ropes. We had balls. We had basketball hoops, all this stuff. And I remember one time, Cody, you know, he had a basketball on his left arm, and he was going over and, like, dunking it on this little basket. And in his right hand, he had a bag, a little bag of gummy bears that was open, and he was eating them and walking over there. I love gummy bears. And so I'm down there with him, and I walk over to Cody, and I said this. I go, hey. Can I have just one gummy bear? I'll never forget. He doesn't remember this. He's too young. He looks up to me, maybe two and a half years old. He looks at me, he goes, no, mine, you big stinker. That's what he said. <laughs> and I know where he got the big stinker because Ann always walks around, you big stinker, you big stinker, in a fun way. So he got the sins of the mother. That, that, that was him. But here's the thing. When he said, no, mine, I'm looking at him like, I just sort of smile, but inside, what am I thinking? No, those aren't yours. I bought them. I own those. I'm such a benevolent father. I love you so much. I'm letting you enjoy my gummy bears. But the second they got in his hand, no, mine, you big stinker. And I literally couldn't get him. He wouldn't give me one. So finally, I kicked the ball away, and he put him down, and he ran. I stole him. So here's the deal. <laughs> I mean, that little image of Cody in the basement is cute when you're two years old. It's not cute when you're 42 or 72 or 22 or even 12, is it? And we all laughed, but if a grown adult is acting like this, you're like, dude, you're greedy. Here's the thing. If you're not greedy and you're generous, that's a work of God changing a person's heart. Because see, at some point, I don't know if you've gotten there yet, at some point, you're going to have to realize everything you have, your breath, your life, your spouse, your relationships, that phone that's ringing right now. Every possession you own is the Father's. And we act like it's ours. And he's got to be smiling at the same time like, you think that's your money? Really? You think that's your house? Really? That job? 
I gave that to you. And all I'm asking is you give me one back. Like, no, not. That's what we do to God. And God wants to do a, a work on our heart. Let me read you something. It's from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, here's what you got to understand about Deuteronomy. It's one of the early books in the Old Testament. It's part of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. And this is God bringing his nation, Jewish nation, out of 430 years of slavery. They, They were slaves for generations. Now they're free. And what's he have to do in the book of Deuteronomy? He has to say, okay, I need to teach you the new life. You're going from old life to new life. You know nothing but being in bondage and a slave. Now I'm giving you a new life and there's ways to live in freedom that you've never experienced before. By the way, some of you just connected some dots and says, that sort of sounds the same as before Christ, after Christ. It's the same thing. Before Christ is in our life, we're in bondage and slave to things we can't uh, get control over. And when we come into Christ, he says, there's a whole new way to live. And so the same thing happened in the Old Testament before Christ. And look what he says. In chapter 15, he says, if, any, if, if among you one of your brothers should become poor, if any of your towns within your land that the Lord God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand. What a beautiful picture. You see that? Shut hand, open hand. You should open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever it may be. He was saying, here's what it's like. You were slaves before. You didn't understand this, but now I've blessed you. I've blessed you with a land. I'm going to bless you with possessions. I'm going to bless you in many ways. That blessing isn't just to stay with you, although I'm blessing you because I do love you and I smile when I get to bless my children, but I'm just, I just also want you to be a blessing to others around you that don't have what you have. Bless them. And here's what we find out. When we do that, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's this amazing thing that happens is we experience the blessed zone when we help others. I love what Robert Moore says in his book. He said, God created giving, talking about financial giving here, for our sake, not his. It isn't like God's up in heaven like, man, I can't pay the light bill. I need my people to give a bunch of money. He does not need our money. He needs to break our slavery and bondage to money. And every time I give whether I give to Kensington or a a, a charity or something I believe in strongly, every time I write a check, or now it's mostly digital, what's happening? I'm breaking this bondage to something that I can consider really important because I know you are like me. Money matters. It's really important. We we get all of our significance by it. And when you write a check to give it away, it's like the most unnatural DNA thing to do. That's not what you do. You hold on and you make sure you have it. And then when it's all done, you have a pile here and God says, no, no, you need to give it a little bit away. He doesn't say give it all away. Just give me one gummy bear. You keep nine. Give me one. We're like, when we do, I can't explain it. Especially when we help somebody. feels beautiful. I remember 40 years ago, Ann and I went to the staff training. We were on staff with crew at the time. So uh, Camp Crusade for Christ, there were probably two or 3,000 staff members at Moby Gym in Fort Collins, Colorado, Colorado State University for staff training, and they bring in these speakers. And I'll never forget, they introduced this guy who's 90 years old, Sidlow Baxter. And I remember turning to Ann in my arrogant 20s and said, what are we going to learn from some 90-year-old dude? Why don't they have the best of the best in the Christian world speaking? Who's this? And he sort of walks up there. I think he might have had a cane. And I'm like, we're going to listen to some nine-year-old dude, and I'll never forget. This guy gets to the mic, and he is so full of energy. I've never seen anything like it. He's acting like a 40-year-old. He's like, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus, and, talk, and I love music. And he walks over to the piano, and he goes, I'm, I'm a music guy. And he starts jamming. He had a leg out here. I'm like, I like this guy. Man, he's good. He's jamming around. And then he comes back up. I don't remember a single thing he said but one story. 40 years ago, I'll never forget the story. He says, let me tell you something. Oh, you young people. 
when you're dry in your Christian walk, when you feel like God is far away and he's not blessing you and working in your life and you're just stuck, he goes, you know what you need to do? Here's what you need to do. How can I still remember this? Put your coat on, walk out that front door and go give your life away in serving somebody. Go share the gospel with the first person you see down the, down the block. He said, when you give your life away in serving somebody else, life comes back to your soul. You'll walk back in and say, wow, I'm in the blessed zone. He didn't use those words, but I was like, that's not what you do. What do we do when we're dry in our spiritual walk? We go to church and we say, pastor, you better bring it today because I need it. And I know what you do. You get in the car and you evaluate me. You know, how good did Dave do it today? Did he, did he, did he fill me up? Yeah, you do this, right? Hey, would you get that on a t- scale one to 10? I give it a three. Yeah, okay. You know, why go to that church if they don't fill me? Here's the thing. My job is not to fill you up. You know what I feel my job is? Make you hungry. So you'll go home and get your nourishment where you should get it, in community. and in your, in your, it's, it's like this. I do not picture you all in your little high chair. Hey, give me a little bottle. Will you feed me? Feed me. No. You're adults and you're mature in Christ. Go to the refrigerator and get yourself filled up. And what Sidlow was saying is you don't just go to the word. The word's part of it, but go out and do something. When God speaks and God says, bless somebody, serve somebody, go do it. Then you'll, be, you'll find out it's more blessed to give than receive. That's what happens. And I tell you, if you've never done it, all you can do is, really? But when you do it, am I right? Some of you have done it, and it's usually a minority. But you've taken a risky thing, and you've said something to somebody that God told you to say. Or you gave more money than you thought you'd ever give. Or you started serving others, and there's a joy that comes to your life because you're living in the blessing. I'll never forget what Sid Baxter said. So here's the thing. Jesus said it this way, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And it doesn't make sense. I was like, wait, wait, I'm dry. I need somebody to fill me up. He goes, no, 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 you go. And as you empty, I fill. How's that work? As you empty yourself, empty your life, I fill you up. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Many come here and just sit. Others come here and serve. And I'm telling you, they're the happiest of all people here because there's a joy that gives. We give our life away. That's the greedy heart. Second one, Robert Lewis calls it the grieving heart. And again, this comes from the book of Deuteronomy. Look what he says. He says, you, sh- you shall give to him freely, and look at this, and your heart shall not be grudging. It's a grieving heart, a grudging heart, when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all you undertake if you give. So here's the thing. You ever had this? You give, and then you have remorse? You ever buy something and have remorse? It's called buyer's remorse. There's also a thing called giver's remorse. You give because you feel God led you, and then you're like, oh, I could have bought this if I would have still had that money. It's gone. He says, I don't know. Give hilariously. Give cheerfully. And I'll tell you, there is a way to do that. As you let God transform your mindset, you realize what I gave away wasn't mine anyway. And so the grieving or grudging goes away. In fact, here's what I need. I've never done this before, but I'm going to do this. I'm I want somebody in this congregation, somebody sitting here right now, to give me a $100 bill. Somebody's got one in your wallet right now. I'm not going to give it back. But I just want to see if somebody feels led by God to give me 100 bucks. Anybody? 100 bucks, cash. Right here, first row. He beat you. What's your name? Justin? Justin. All right, man. This guy's the most spiritual guy in the church. Get out of here. I only want one. No, 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 no. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Now, here's the thing. 
you're thinking, wow, that dude, two of them right here, most spiritual people in church because they gave $100 to the pastor when he asked. Now, let me ask you something. Justin, do you feel like grieving or grudge in your heart? You know why he doesn't? Because right before I got up to preach, I went over to him and said, I'm going to give you $100. <laughs> right? And when I ask for it in a service, please wait four or five seconds and then say, I'm your guy. So you got to take this back, dude. Because <laughs> this really is my $100. <laughs> and the reason Justin doesn't feel any, he feels nothing. It's like, oh, I'd love to do this. This isn't my money. It's my money that I just got back. And here's the deal. When you think your money's yours and your life's yours and your talents are yours, to give them up, it hurts a little bit. But when you realize, and this is a big principle in understanding money and our life and generosity and our gifts, these aren't mine. These are God's. I said at the beginning, the breath you're taking right now is from God. And when you understand that, when he prompts you to give to Kensington or give to a person or give to a charity, and you do it, you don't feel bad about it. Why? It's not mine anyway. God is just making, I'm a steward of what God has blessed me with. And so there is none of that remorse. And I tell you what, I'll take this and give it away to somebody. I don't know who it is going to be. I'll tell you what, I don't have time to get into this, but at the beginning of Robert's book, he talks about a guy in his church that sticks three or $400 in his wallet every month. And whenever God prompts him, he gives it away. And then you find out later, his daughter said, dad, I've heard you tell this story all my life. She was a prodigal that just came back. And she said, it's you, isn't it? And he goes, yep. God taught him what the blessed life looks like. Some of it had to do with money. Some did. In fact, I'll tell you, we're going to take our offering right now. I was joking earlier, we're not going to take an offering during the series. That ain't never going to not happen at Kensington. <laughs> I know that's improper grammar, but you get it, right? Two double negatives. But here's the thing. The offering's going to come. They're going to pass the pouch. And I want you to know this. If you're, not, if you're a guest, you're a visitor at Kensington, please... You can give if you want, but this is not about you giving. This series is not about trying to get you to give. This is about helping you and I live the blessed life, the generous life. So if you want to give, go ahead. But most of us do it this way. That's how I do it now. And every time I send that digitally in out of my bank account, it is a blessing to be able to give that. But I'll tell you this quick story about Robert. You know what? Don't have time to tell you. I'm going to go on to the next one. The next one is this. We got uh, Greedy Heart. Grieving heart, and then the last two are great hearts. You want to get your heart to hear. Generous heart. Generous heart. And I'll tell you, a generous heart is a work of God because the DNA of the human soul is not to give, it's to receive. And yet you go back to Deuteronomy again, it says, as the Lord God has blessed you, you shall give to him. As the Lord God has blessed you, give. And I tell you what, I said it earlier, we are some of the most blessed people in the world. We really are. And yet we are also some of the most stingy people in the world. We say we're generous, but you look at the numbers and it's like, wow, people in the U.S. really hold on tight. Why? Because our bank account is where our treasure is. And it's basically fear. Because anytime you give, you have to trust that God will provide. And I told you, I am married to a giver. Everywhere she goes, she wants to bless people with life and money. And I remember one time we were, we were getting ready for a birthday uh, party for one of our boys, and she spent way too much money on the gifts for them. 
Because I grew up in a home, I got one birthday gift and one Christmas present a year. We had no money, and that was it. I'm now married to a woman who wants to give five or six, you know, and a lot of them weren't expensive, but, you know, it's just boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, always like, what are you doing? You're spoiling the kid. So we had this birthday party coming up, and we were driving home from some event, and she wanted to stop at Walmart and pick up one little more thing for one of the boys. So we stop at Walmart, and uh, I'm like, you just run in and get it. And so I went in with her, and we got it, and then she got in line. I go, I'm going to get the car and pull it up. And so I pull up, and I thought she'd be out in like a minute. She's not out. And I'm like, there are 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, I got to go in and see what's going on. I go in, I see her talking to some lady at the checkout line, and they're hugging as she walks out. And I go, what took so long? The line wasn't that long. She goes, well, I might have bought the groceries for the lady behind me. I go, what? I go, do you know her? No, I just saw that she couldn't afford what she had. I felt God led me, and so I paid it. And I go, what are you doing? What do you, what do you mean you paid? We got this party and we just spent all this money. Why did you do that? She goes, I feel like God wanted me to do it. It was so fun. I loved doing it. He's just seen her face. I'm like, I don't want to care about her face. Well, I go, and then I finally said, guys, would you say this? How much did you give her? And she just told me this morning, I didn't say the right number at first service. I said, well, it was like 150 bucks. She goes, actually, it was like 250. I'm like, what? And I remember what she said. I go, what? We don't have that money. What are you doing? She's like, I just obey God. And we go home, and I'm still in a bad mood. As, as, as one of the boys opened his gifts, I'm like, the whole time, like, we bought all this, and we gave money to some woman that probably worked my wife. That's what I was thinking. She just worked her, you know, hey, I don't have any proof. You know, anybody think like me? That's how I thought. And so everybody leaves after the party, and I'm sitting down later that night, and I just hadn't gone through the mail. I start going through the mail. And I find this this envelope from some church that we spoke at like a year ago. I'm like, I wonder if this is. Open up, there's an honorarium check for a speaking gig we did for free. There was no honorarium attached to that speaking gig, and it was $2,000. Unexpected that they just said, we want to bless you. You blessed us so much. Sorry this is so late and so little, but here you go. And Ann goes. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just looking at that, I'm like, you're right. You can't outgive God. And I'm not saying every time you do that, there's a check coming in the mail. I'm not saying that's not how it works. But when I saw that check, it was a reminder, God, you are so good. And you always take care of us. I tell you, write this down. If you've never memorized this verse, write this down. First year in ministry, 40 years ago, I wrote this verse down. I memorized it, and I've never forgotten it. And I've seen God over 40 years, every day, every week, every month, fulfill this promise made in Philippians 4.19. I should have put it on the screen for you, but I don't want to. I want you to go look it up yourself on your, your, your Bible on your phone or a real Bible paper. They actually still make those things. Look it up. Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19, where Paul writes, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's what it says. And I'm just one guy, but I'm telling you, over 40 years of ministry, there were days I didn't know how we're going to pay our mortgage. I'd lay in bed. Some of you know what this feels like. You got kids, they're little, thinking college, you're thinking mortgage, you're thinking car payment, you're thinking how do I, all that stuff. And I can look back over 40 years and say, God always provided according to his needs in Christ Jesus. There was never a mortgage we missed. There was never, a, and again, sometimes it was miraculous. Sometimes it was just little things here and there. God always provides. And when you're generous, you live in that zone and God meets you. And then there's one last one, and it's simply called the grateful heart. 
the grateful heart. You know, it's really interesting. In Deuteronomy 15, he says again to these people just come out of slavery, he says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this, this day. He's telling them, remember, we are forgetful people. God, where are you? And he's like, uh, you don't remember what I did last year? You don't remember what I did 10 years ago? You don't remember what I did yesterday? No, we don't forget. We're just like that. It's like, he doesn't come through. And God's like, no, no, you need to stop. And you need to remember and be thankful. When's the last time you stopped and thank God for the breath you're taking right now? Don't go a day. We live such frantic lives. Stop every day. Pause and go, thank you, God. Before you step in your day, get on your knees at the foot of your bed and say, thank you for giving me another day, Lord. Look at the blessings around you. We're flying home from San Diego on Thursday morning after two weeks of ministry that we were exhausted. Everybody's like, you're on vacation. No, not when you're the speaker of these things. Exhausted. I look over my wife's uh, on the aisle, sound asleep, because we've been getting up at six and going to midnight. She's sound asleep. And I look over and all I could think was, God, thank you for that woman for my partner in life and ministry. See, who you choose to marry will double your life or cut it in half. And God gave me the most amazing woman ever, and I rarely thank her or thank him. And it was just this little moment where I just looked at her like, you are amazing. You have enabled me to do what God's called me. This church is amazing. Orient Campus is amazing. The fact I get to change a legacy of alcohol and adultery handed to me, and no, God has used us to change the Wilson name. Zondervan, our publisher, called last week and said, we want to talk to you Thursday this week because we want to offer you a second book deal. We're like, are you kidding me? That is just God going, I've got you. And here's what you and I do, we forget. And so we're going to close the day singing a song that I love called So Will I. It's just this beautiful song. First time I heard it two years ago, I was in a car and I, I just started to weep as I listened to the song. So beautifully written. A lot of words, but as you listen to the words, you realize he's, he's sort of walking you from the beginning of time all the way to what Jesus and his death meant for us. Let me read you the words because I want you to sing this with us, but I also want you to realize what you're singing. Starts this way, God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. That's just part of the first verse. You'll hear the rest, or you'll sing the rest. Then he goes all the way down to the fourth verse, and it's, it's the whole gospel. He says, God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. Calvary. He's talking about what his death meant. He says, and as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Do you realize everything in your past, all your failures gone because of the gospel? Where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind, if you left the grave behind you, so will I. If you left the grave, the old life, he's alive. I will too. I can see your heart and everything you've done, every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I see your heart eight billion different ways. What a beautiful statement. Every person you see, you're seeing the heart of God. 
Every precious one, a child you died to save, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. If you're so generous with me, so will I be generous with what you give me. Before we sing that, I want to I lead you in a, just a quiet prayer to invite you to ask God to, to speak to you. So let's pray. Father God, as we close our eyes and just listen, Lord, I pray you speak. In fact, just, just take a deep breath. <sighs> Slow down your life. If you're like me, you're raced in here today and you need to pause. So hit the pause button. And Jesus, I'm asking you right now to speak to each one of us. We can hear you. We can hear your voice. So Lord, here's what, here's what we're asking you to say. Lord, what are you saying to me right here, right now? What do you want me to know, Lord? And Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do? And Father, I pray that we would be people that would hear you and obey you. Lord, I pray we'd have the courage to obey whatever you just spoke. I pray we'd be that church, that church that's a blessing to others, that church where people would find you and the blessed life through us living generously to get our eyes off ourselves and our eyes on you and on others who you want to bless through us. So Lord, help us, even as we sing these words, to then live these words, to be generous just like you. In Jesus' name.